0: Hello everybody and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford and I am coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas and it is a great privilege to be able to greet you, especially uh, the members of my congregation and uh, I trust all of you are well. I continue to pray for you and we rejoice in what the Lord is doing among us and through our congregation. And to all of our Saints Network family, welcome. We, uh, we pray for you too. We're very grateful for you. And um, this week um, on our Facebook page, we were all privileged to be um uh, uh, a part of a teaching that our brother Alan Gwening, Gwening, Gwening. Of course, I think he pronounced it Gwening, Gwening. It's pronounced, it's written that way. But I, uh, I just call him Alan. Alan and Colette are such dear friends. And they, um, they pastor in Verviers in Belgium. And we were so grateful that uh, he agreed to submit a word of encouragement to all of the saints. And I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I, I bless them for their friendship, for their ministry, and for the way that um, they spoke the word of the Lord to us. I was thinking about how blessed we are as a saints network, as we have uh, been privileged to make um, make God ordained alliances with so many across the United States and and then throughout many many nations in the world. I I i never really have made the list of how many people are Part of the constituency that God is building. Uh, I know that many denominations are represented, many different uh, people groups, many different testimonies of differing ways that God impacted the lives of those who have become saints. There are there are incredible stories of how. God led people through various stratas of their journey in God um, in the midst of different uh, houses of faith. And uh, it's, it's, it's incredible to just listen to the stories and the testimonies of how God, out of many, brought us into the privilege of being one in God. Um, and uh, Alan spoke about being one and how it would be uh, a great, according to the Scripture, a great witness and a great testimony to the world that this could happen. And um, I, I share in that belief. And um, I'm just so grateful for the way that God has preserved us you know, recently, the past year or so, many in the Saints Network leadership put together a um, a document filled with the tenets of faith that anybody coming into the Saints Network would have to would have to say yes. This is this is what I believe as well. And among those. We're the testament of the Word of God being what it is. And, you know, the only way to, to be with God is through Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, just simple foundational things that are part of what the body of Christ should be. And from that, then, we know we have a firm foundation together. And then we follow after God together as saints and His intercessors, and that's really a testament of of oneness, of being one. One is not just going along to get along. One is, one is not um, uh, an issue of. You know, we just want to. Say we're all together, so we'll just believe anything. One, according to the scripture, for instance, in the Old Testament, the the main word translated as one is like, for instance, in Deuteron- Deuteronomy six, verse four, the Lord our God is one Lord. This is Ehad, and it it is um, it is a word that is. Again, a, a number. It's it's it comes from um, uh, it comes from a word that really signifies the first thing. Uh, it means um, once, once for all, one uh, first. It 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 really clarifies that. We are to be a people who are united. Um, that we are alike. That we are um, that are walking on a singular pathway as directed by God. It's not exclusionary. It's not that you judge other people and criticize them. It's it's a sense of of being unified in a common stream from God and um, you know you you extrapolate that over in the New Testament and you see a similar thing where one which comes from Hase is uh, the first ordinal number it is singular to the exclusion of others and that, that word is not really popular today There's an idea that to be one means to be inclusive of everybody. But one really means that you've boiled it down to a commonality. It's not racist. It could be, but it's not. It's not judgmental or warlike. It's not being prideful. Um, But it it is a singular. It's akin to protos, which is you know, what happens when you are looking forward and you have your directive and you're not vacillating, you're not an uncertain sound. You, you are clear in what God is, is wanting from you. And um, so oneness or being one according to the simplest ideals of the, the Old Testament and the New Testament does, does not mean consensus. You know, the Apostle Paul didn't go and debate in the synagogues in the known world uh, to try to become Jewish again. He came to show people that what Jesus had done brought them into a new reality. And that, that is what his debate was. And and I think the reason you can see this in more terms than simply what you read in the Scripture, which is, should be our basis and is, is that people were always trying to kill him. I mean, if he was trying to be conciliatory, he wouldn't have been being stoned and beaten and tossed out of the city and uh, warned by... Uh, by the Lord to escape you know that's not conciliatory language that's that whatever he was saying was demanding a response it wasn't go along get along you know in our society today there's so many mixed signals that are being brought by our enemy and the church is being told that we have to We have to vacillate. We have to dumb down our message in order to reach the world. We have to become, um, use this term again, conciliatory to any and all types of things to reach the world. And Jesus said, I did not come to bring that kind of environment. I, I bring a sword, really. I came to put at variance people so that they would choose the right way. You know, lukewarmness is a spewing temperature, according to Jesus. And um, so, being one does, does not mean that we abandon the purpose that God has given us. In fact, being one is the essence of our purpose. And we have taken everything else. We've chosen the pearl of great price. We sold everything. To obtain that one thing, we have abandoned the wide way to find the narrow way. You know, I remember a year and a half ago, I heard someone who should have known better saying that that verse about the narrow road means that everybody that's really trying to serve God in a singular fashion um, is is the wide road, the wide road, and that people who are um, who are really conciliatory and wanting everybody to just get along and be happy uh, with whatever they want to be is the narrow road. And that, that just doesn't... That don't make no sense no how Ain't nobody got time for that. You know, I, I've used this illustration that if you went into a classroom, if you're actually meeting in a classroom now, and you told the kids, okay, I want everybody that... Um, wants to do whatever they want to do Um, you don't have any rules you don't have any restrictions I want you to get over on this side of the class and those of you who want to to devote yourself just to what this topic is and to do the work that's necessary and to pass muster with your study and your hard work to achieve this uh, this mastery of this class I want you to be on this side. which side do you think would be the wide path? Which side do you think would be the narrow path? Well, I can guarantee you that the narrow path would not be the people who could do whatever they want to do, come or not come. Um, they would be beating a wide path to get out of there and go down with the with the hoods smoking in the in the in the back corners. <laughs> So, to be one is to have found that pearl and to pare away every other thing so that you could be refined into his image. To be one is not to accept everything. To be one is to be clarified in your pursuits. And, you know, this is under attack today. You know our country is let's do away with laws, let's do away with authority. let's do away with uh, the common understanding of what the identity of this nation has been and what it should be and I'm not speaking racism. We detest and we condemn racism. Um, but there's there's the idea of Doing away of everything, so everybody will feel included, and that's ridiculous you know not long ago, somebody who should have known better said, Well, the saints network is missing it because they don't have a heart for this group and that group and this group. Oh we know they don't. well, I remember when jesus um, was sitting in a place and a woman with an alabaster box came and broke it open and anointed his feet and there were some who sat there disciples who were shamed i guess they shouldn't have shame nowadays because shame isn't isn't really what people have to to deal with i'm being facetious there but they said we could have sold that and given it to the poor jesus said the poor you always have with you what's he mean by that He didn't say, okay, after this episode, you can be concerned with the poor. No, what he said was every day you have the opportunity to touch people. But this one has chosen the right thing. And we should devote ourselves to what God has given us to be and devote ourselves singularly to that. The poor you always have with you. You know, every day I'm, and I'm not touting my own horn, I'm just trying to say what this means. Every day you should be extending love to people, uh, those that God brings you to, those that he puts on your heart. But you should not do that to the exclusion of the singularity of what God has called you to be. You're going to answer for that kind of a, of a of a miscreant behavior on judgment day. You're answering for it now. This The enemy wants to dumb down the saints. He wants to wear us out and he wants to eliminate the essence of what we're called to be because he knows that we are the force, according to the scripture, the the human the human entity, according to the scripture, that he detests most in the end times. So if he can eliminate the factors that are singular to what the saints are and what they're called to be, then he's he's eliminated the first defense and the essence of what the army of God is going to be in the end time so um, I uh, I believe that God is really speaking to us about oneness but we need to really examine what it truly is and um, I I can't I, I just know that this is this is what um, god wants us to share about today so i use this this song one is the loneliest number and i did this simply because well i thought it would be fun um and um and, you know this past sunday i um i we spoke about um a bob dylan tune <laughs> and um I, um, I promise not to keep doing this. Um, who knows? Devil with a blue dress may come up next. I, you know, I don't I don't know, but um, times there are change into one is the loneliest number. Uh, why is why why would I say one is the loneliest number? because it it brings you into that narrow place. It's really not lonely. Because God is with you and those who are aligned with you uh, in the pursuit of the Lord are closer than, than any other connection you've had on earth. And um, But it's lonely from the standpoint that you are not out hobnobbing with everything else. Now, well, huh? Okay, well what about Jesus? He was accused of being a friend of, the, of winebibbers. You know, here's the deal. I, I grew up in an environment where we weren't allowed to drink any alcoholic beverage. And, I, you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate that upbringing. But I also knew that it definitely was not something that would, if I did drink something, it would keep me out of heaven. I mean, I've heard all kinds of creative ex- explanations and excuses for what the wine was that Jesus uh turned water into and i can tell you one thing from traveling through europe and other nations of the world where people live with vineyards and where they um, are aficionados of what wine is those people at that wedding in cana were that way the governors of the feast they knew what wine was and if i brought in some welch's grape juice to france and served it up to a bunch of Frenchmen, I don't think they would be saying, man, you saved the best wine for last. Man, this stuff is whoo-hoo. I've been missing out. They would laugh at us. In fact, they, they did mock uh, Americans and American mission, ministries that came, and they called Coca-Cola American wine. Now, I don't say then that I get hammered and that I get drunk. I mean, we're told not to get drunk. And um, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And I, I don't think Jesus, because He was a friend of those who, who, who actually drank wine, was out getting blasted. We, You know, don't, don't conflate things. So when you say, well, Jesus was a friend of the wine-bibbers, does that mean that he was a drunkard no see you 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 take it to extreme and and people that are following you believe that nonsense as if you are god's holy trousers and that's nuts so um jesus was who he was but he he had a certain standard he would he would tell those he was the one that talked about the narrow gate. He was the one that talked about the narrow road. It was Jesus who said that. He said, leave everything and follow me. Um, that's our Lord. He didn't say, okay, go, get along, go along, get along. You know, hey, I don't really have to go to the cross. We could just all come to an agreement. He never, never was that in his heart. Yes, he loved everybody but he stayed with the Father's message. And so, let's look at um, some of the verses here on the sheet that is ready for you. John 17, 11, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your own name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are and then John ten thirty, I and my father are one what does that mean well first of all we know that God is one we quoted that verse out of Deuteronomy 6 a few minutes ago and the Lord appeared to us as a son in the power of the Holy Ghost to show us first of all, how we're created in God's image, but to show us how God relates to us. There are not three gods or seven gods, when you include the seven spirits, but there's one God. And um, he, he, Jesus is one with the Father. What did he do throughout? Now, some would say, okay, that means that nobody's in charge up there. In heaven, what's Jesus praying? He's praying for us that we would accomplish the will of the Father. Somebody's in control up there. No, there isn't any. There isn't any argument. There isn't any debate. There isn't any uh, rousting about for who gets prime seat. There's one person sitting on the throne. It's God, the Person of God Himself. And Jesus prays at the right hand for us and partners with us to accomplish the will of the Father, which is what he said throughout his ministry. I've come to do the will of him who sent me over and over and over again, which means that there is a unified pursuit. The Holy Spirit empowers, and enlightens, guides. He doesn't speak of himself, so he's not saying, hey, I'm here to do my own thing. You know, if you heard of me, I'm the Holy Ghost. No, it's the essence of the of the of the of the heart of God. So when Jesus says we're one, that doesn't eliminate a structure. That testifies to a structure. All the angels submit to the will of the Father. They bow their knee before the risen Lord. Uh, they are in harmony with the Spirit, which is that essence of God which created them. So to say he's one is speaking about that unified purpose, that protos, that singularity. There, there isn't any um, vacillating in heaven. And and there's no conflict there either because everybody knows God is one. We are moving together Um, and, you know, in your own self, you're, you're a, you've got the life of God, which is born again through spirit when you accept Jesus, but every person on earth has that spark of, of life. And you, according to the scripture, give that up when you die. Jesus gave up the ghost or the spirit. Uh, when he when he said it was finished into his into God's hands he gave the spirit gave back to God that essence of life and um, that's what's born again when you accept Christ and then you align or you should align your emotions your thoughts your intellect your, your uh, body to follow that one singularity of your heart in in following after God, and this is this is vital. So we we understand that in the natural, you know, if somebody is schizophrenic, <laughs> they got problems. Um, if somebody is is demonized. They've got issues, and um, you want to be one. If the light, the light of the body is the eye, and the the eye has to be singular, and that singularity is not uh, multi-focused. <laughs> it's it's lasered in on what you should be. So when he says that they may be one as we are and I and my Father are one it's saying you need to come and serve the Father and accomplish His mission just as I have done because this is the operative rule of heaven and you need to be that you need to do away with lesser things and to become singular in your pursuits that's oneness it's not It's not conciliatory. It's not conflative. It's not, oh, you know, God's in everything. Let's just have it all. That's what the Greeks believed. And what did Paul say when he was up on top of Mars Hill? You all are too superstitious. I'm here to this unknown God. And he spoke about the one way. He didn't say, well, you know, I can see bits and pieces of all of you here. What a setting here. The Acropolis is just across the valley here. And... Woo, man, you've got it going on. You've got just about everything here. I bet God's a little bit in all of this. What did Paul say that was? And it was probably cleaned up for the scriptural record. He said, you're superstitious. You you need to be following this one right here. And I'm going to tell you about the one you don't know, the one. Let's read John 17, verses 20 through 23. Jesus saying, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. That That's us. That they may all be one, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Apostello. This means that Jesus was fulfilling an apostolic commissioning. He was the first apostle. And you know as well as I do that when you are following an apostolic mission, you've received a word from God that you are to represent and you guard over that. And so what does Jesus say? That you know, these ones that are going to believe may pattern what I've done with you, Father, as we are one, so let them be one. And the world will believe that, that uh, you have sent me, you have done an apostolic work because they see these ones doing the same thing. The glory or the assignment of mission which you've given me, I've given them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. Teleo, that they may accomplish exactly what was sent. That, That it would be an exact rendering. You know, in our world today, it's amazing how, you know, people can see the exact same scene, and one call it one thing, and another call it another. Um... We are to be teleo. We've received a direct word from God, and we are going to do our very best to carry it out and to fulfill it. This is us being perfect as we are one. So that the world may know that you have sent apostello, me, and have loved them, agapeo, to breathe hard after God, to, to go after his purpose. As you have loved me, allowed me to participate in that agape. You know, this, people are still trying to dumb down what agape means. And, uh, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 lists all the social things. Give all your goods to feed the poor. That's not agape. According to what Paul says, you can do it if you have agape, but it in itself is not agape. You can give your body to be burned. But if you don't have agape, you've not accomplished anything. So agape is not a philanthropic thing. It's not a, um, uh, a compassionate march. It is a devotion to what The heart of God is wanting to accomplish that you then have received and you move in that. And you cannot separate Jesus' words here from the apostolic mission, from the agape, and from fulfilling in teleo fashion what they have been sent to fulfill, that every jot and tittle is fulfilled. That is oneness that is being one. Your eye being singular. You know, have you ever tried to drive while you're doing something else? I remember when cell phones first came and really when pagers first came. We used to think that when we're driving we could operate that machinery. You see things don't text and drive. If you take your eye off of what you're supposed to be even if you look back to the back seat to talk to a child or if you look over to to do something read read a piece of paper that you've got there take your eye off the road pretty soon you're veering because you will go where your eyes are focused on and if you're trying to the the man who 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 aims at everything hits nothing aim small miss small focus and and what that doesn't mean you're narrow-minded see that's the that's the rejoinder that some modern nonsense progressive thought would say oh you're just being so narrow-minded well no I'm being singularly a vision I am loving people in fact I've I've tried every day to make it a mission to extend the love of the Lord to people that I meet not just in the church but at the grocery store or wherever I may be um, the other day I was I took my daughter to a doctor's appointment and I was sitting outside in this lovely Texas weather waiting for her to come out because you weren't able to go in with her uh, even with a mask who was that mask, man and some dude came walking up, and I knew immediately. You passed her for a while, and you know some people, bless their heart, they just have had such a hard life. But some people have made a career out of being professional professional, um, beggars. Not criticizing, just saying. It's not any different for me to see the guy who's got his truck from AT&T parked out here on my lot to say that this guy has made a career out of doing that. I'm not judging him. I'm just saying this is the way it is. So this guy comes wandering over to my car and he starts into his story. and He tells me this really, really well thought out story. And I knew he was lying. I could tell just, first of all, by the spirit, but I could, I could tell by the way he was dressed and even the holes in his story. And I just put my hand up and I said, listen, I know that what you're telling me right now is baloney. And I, I think that you came over here for the reason for me to tell you, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you some money, but I'm not giving it because I believe your story because it's a lie. And I said, you have a calling and a purpose from God and you need to get before him. He's your answer, not hitting up people in this parking lot. And so I gave him some money and he just looked at me. And I said, "You, you need to hear what I'm saying. I'm giving to you not because you've deceived me, because you have not. I'm giving to you because I know that I need to tell you what I'm telling you. And I bless you. And he started walking away. I mean, I was gonna pray for him, but he was gone. It was 108 degrees outside. And I figured this guy, he's heard this word and he's making a beeline. Well, I saw him on the other end of the parking lot hitting up a a woman that came out of the doctor's office. And I, I yelled, hey, hey. And he looked back and I pointed at him. And the lady looked at me and the guy scampered off and you know i think the lady must have thought that i was a security guard but you know the point is is that you can you know i blessed somebody in the grocery store the other day i'm not touting myself but i'm saying you don't have to abandon the mission that the father has given you and say that you found this other mission and that now you're going to become uh, the, uh, the the Savior of the poor. <laughs> the poor you always have with you. Reach out to Him. But don't abandon the pearl of great price to do it. And tell God you've done Him a favor. He knows what He's Toleo out to you. He knows what your apostolic calling is. And He knows what He commissioned you to do. So, being one uh before god doesn't mean that you surrender the purity of what you are in fact purity itself is exclusionary you know we have filtered water here in the church and and we have uh zero water at the house and i i buy filtered water from whole foods i i take these big decanters and fill them up it's and and, and to be pure means that you want to get rid of all the toxins and the chlorine and the other things that are in that water. And you you want purity. I've never seen anybody, any of these folks that are in this mindset of, of going along to get along, go in and buy bottled water that's got just about everything in it because they want to be inclusive. Purity means, you know, what's refinement? It's not adding alloys. It's purifying the gold. Let's look at some scriptures. Here's one. John 10, 16. What does this mean? Other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Now, some people would say that and say, See, you and the saints network, you know, I've got other people that are serving me. Well, I believe that. I believe that there are those we've not met. We meet some every every year. We pray for them, but they come in to this one fold. We they have one shepherd. It's not, hey, you know, you people are, you people are just, uh, you're exclusionary, and you should see all these other denominations and their crazy viewpoints that are not scriptural and these are mine you don't know it come and let them become uh, a coat of many colors jesus did not mean that every year we're meeting folks that we've never met before and we they've been they've been being made hungry by god and they readily accept the calling that god has prepared them for these are the sheep this is why we go around the world this is why we go into the nations this is why we go to people of all colors and all nationalities this is why we are a um, and I, I just say this as a matter of fact we are formed of many denominational backgrounds we are formed of many different types of salvation experiences we're formed of many different types of 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 um, uh, of nationalities and, racial um, makeup. Saints Network is 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 really a, a, a cornucopia of the creation of God and I look forward to meeting what you have to do to become part of the Saints Network is to say we believe Jesus Christ is the only way to God and we've accepted him we believe that we are redeemed to the Father. We believe that we're called to be intercessors. We're, we believe that we are to, to pray in the Spirit and be on our face before God. We are called to, to go where he says go and to preach the gospel and to teach and to train those in the church and those out of the church of what it really means to be a, an intercessor, not just somebody who prays uh, for all these requests, anybody you can train a chimp to do that but but to uh, but to pray yeah, i don't know how to do that maybe mark burke could figure that out for us um but we 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 want to seek after the father and to pray the lord's prayer our father who art in heaven hallowed holy saintly is your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven if you if if you believe the word of God is true and you want to go deeper into it and all these other things, come on. Let's serve the Lord together. Let's grow together. It doesn't matter what your color is, what nationality you are, how much money you have or don't have. We've proven that, not by our words but by our actions. We have sown our time. We have sown our money. We have sown our energies. We have sown time when we could have been spending with our family. We have sown things that have brought us into some dangerous situations to go around the world and preach this gospel in remote huts and villages in the highlands of India to um, some of the poorest areas in the slums in African cities. And it goes on. I'm not touting us or tooting our own horn here. I'm saying that that's what oneness is. It's not exclusionary except for the fact that, like the rich young ruler, Jesus said, go and sell everything you have, divest it to the poor, and follow me. The guy walked away sad because he didn't want to leave that, that multifaceted lifestyle that he had. And and the the, the essence of it was not, oh, see, he was wanting to be philanthropic. The the, the point was that Jesus told this guy to give up what meant most to him. And he didn't ask for the guy's money. He said, sow it into a place, prophetically, that you will be honoring spiritually. Preach the gospel to the poor. Blessed are the poor, in spirit well I digress so other sheep this that's what that means and it's not just a a dialogue for us it's a way of life it's what we've done you know I figured out last year the travels that I personally made and I'm not speaking about anybody else God bless all of you I was gone about five whole months from my home from my family from my church who I love um, to do this very thing I wasn't preaching to the crown prince of Monaco either which may happen one day I don't know how many races we dealt with and how many colors of skin how many economic strata But this, our mission, leads us there. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 18. Now there's five dimensions of exclusivity that Paul speaks about here. Let's see what they are. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. If people are not walking with you, as what God at the right hand of the throne has given you to be, don't yoke with them. Don't be pulling their plow. I mean, if you'll be going in two different directions and you'll just be going in circles. What fellowship has righteous vision with an unrighteous vision? This fellowship is metoche and it it means a partaker. And it usually, not always, but most of the time, speaks about a spiritual or a heavenly um, uh, pursuit. Uh, Where'd you find that, Pastor? Oh, well, I looked through nine lexicons and did not find this um, being opposed by any of them. In fact, I found it in four that says this very thing. So, if you don't find it in whatever you're looking at, don't say that I'm misinterpreting Scripture, which some are doing. You do know that this message of the saints has been ridiculed and ripped apart by people who should know better. It's really insulting to me as a person when we try our best to convey what God is saying through a a devout study of the Scripture. We don't just start yakking stuff. Uh, You know, I'm not offended. But it is insulting to, to think that people would just assume that you've not done your due diligence. What communion, koinonia, C.C. taught a, set a lesson on that in Sunday school, um, has light with darkness? You know, if God's coming with the light, he's, he's going to overcome darkness. He's not partnering with it. That just creates a shadow. What concord, symphonesis has Christ with Belial? The symphony, we talked about that symphoneo, what that means in agreement, where we're to agree before the Lord, and He's with us, every person playing their part. Well, you can't have Belial in your orchestra. Belial is always around, So he's trying to influence people to do things they shouldn't do while he's in the middle. It's really what the Antichrist spirit is. We've done that study comparing the the words of warning in the Old Testament with the words of warning in the New Testament and they pretty much line up. You know, I think we're seeing it today, this Antichrist spirit through Belial. You know, look at Portland. 80 plus days of riots every night, people being beat up, Uh, bombs being thrown at buildings and at police, curses being uttered, um, just lawlessness. But then you see nobody in most of the media saying what it really is. I mean, there was an article in one of the leftist papers that said that the people in Portland were walking around burning sage, being peaceful, just offering incense for their roots and they're not telling what really happens. Belial does that. And the the, the tribes of Israel went to war with Benjamin because they were defending, the, the Benjamites were defending the sons of Belial who had done an egregious thing. Wouldn't give them up. That's what Belial does. So if you think you're going to go and partner with Belial, you know, what what symphonesis is that? It's, it's not even it, it, it's, it's going to be a, a mishmash. What part? This is Maris, which is part of the, the lot that the, the breaking of the bread or a assigned place, has somebody that is walking in belief before the throne of God, have with an infidel? Oh, those infidels, they're all part of God. You know, they, they've got a word from him. Just like we do, we can pick that out. Really? What about the scripture that says, Touch not the unclean thing? What about that? What about Samson? Some of you who think you've got a Nazarite kind of a vow. Are you dipping your hands into dead lions getting honey, thinking you're doing God a service because that lion was such a great creature? You better forget about being woke. You better wake up. What agreement? Syncatathesis, bless you. It's a deposit, a vote, a deposition, has the temple of God with idols. How, how are you, who are supposed to be the temple of God, partnering with temples of devils? How are you doing that? You see, all of these things, dare I say, are one. They are exclusionary for the purpose. It's not criticizing people. It's not judging people. It's not turning your back on others. It's going after the pearl of great price and not letting it be dumbed down, partnered with devils, bartered away, accepting wickedness in the name of inclusion. This is a pretty clear thing. Of course, some who who have not been able to put their spin on it probably ripped this out and called Paul a misogynist and thrown him totally out of the book let's keep reading Um, God has said I will dwell in them and walk in them I will be their God they will be my people therefore come out from among them and be ye separate says the Lord do not touch the unclean thing and I'll receive you and I will be a father unto you you will be my sons and daughter says the Lord Almighty I don't think I even have to enunciate what is said here or to elaborate on it. That's pretty clear. Now, you know, some people only read this be you separate. And they separate themselves just like Lot did. Lot had so many issues and so many insecurities. And he finally, he and his wife determined they didn't want to be with Abram anymore. So where'd they go? They went to Sodom. He sat there in the gate. What a wonderful evangelist this guy was. Angels come. What's this guy do? Hey, take my daughters. Please. Take my daughters. Don't touch these angels. Take them so we can all get along. So that we can all have peace. What was God's opinion of that? See, every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Um, what does God say about that? Well, He pretty much proved it. He met with Abram. He said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go down there." And Abram tried that peradventure negotiation with God. But the point is, is that that city was destroyed. I'm not asking anybody to be destroyed. What I'm saying is, follow. The pathway of Abram and stay out of Sodom. Capiche? <laughs> the inception of the church. I better get moving here. Not a return to the law. Ephesians 2, verse 14. And here's one that really several years ago, another appeal to oneness. He is our peace, has made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now we have just talked about what that means. So don't forget that and start spinning your own tales here as to what Paul is saying. Therefore we are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly joined together grows into an holy temple of the Lord, in whom you were builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit all that Paul is saying when he would go into the synagogues and teach is that because of Jesus the veil was rent and we are all serving God we can all we can all serve God we are all to be the children of Abram we're all be what the Jews were supposed to be at heart Jew and Gentile alike he was not saying as the manner of some is today that in order to love the jewish people we need to go back and start doing the law we should all be following the messiah and this is another twist on oneness that that paul did not paul did not follow the stripes on his back can prove that the stones hitting his cranium can prove that. The Jews considered the, the the carnal Jews considered him a traitor, and they wanted to eliminate him. Why? Because he wasn't saying let's all be good Jews. He was saying let's all be Christ-like, and that's the one new man to fulfill the fellow citizenship with the saints. We're running out of time here. Let's keep going. Examples of this principle, and I say quick, read these before they are discredited or or deemed as inaccurate. <laughs> the Balaam Council. Remember Balaam and the Talking Donkey? Um, I could joke on that one. He, he wasn't allowed to curse Israel, but he told he told the foreign kings how to destroy Israel. And what was it? Let them intermarry. Let them become just like you and you will stop them. Numbers 31. Moses and Eleazar the priest and all the princes of the congregation went forth to meet them without the camp. Moses was wroth, angry, with the officers of the host, with the captains over thousands, captains over hundreds, which came from the battle. Moses said to them, Have you saved all the women alive? Behold, these caused the children of Israel through the council of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. You remember what Phinehas and the covenant of peace was? Numbers 25, verses 6 through 13. Behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel, who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. I don't know if this is Pastor Robert's javelin or not. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. And those that died in the plague were 20 and 4,000. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, hath turned my wrath away from the children of Israel while he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consume not the children of Israel in my jealousy. Wherefore say... Behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace. Now this, I'm not advocating that people be murdered. This is a principle. They were not to intermarry with the, the, the tribes of heathen with their gods. That's what happened to Solomon. That's why the temple that was conceived as a pure place before God and built and established that way, became wicked with idols to demons everywhere because Solomon intermarried and brought that wicked stuff in. It's not cursing people. It's not being critical of people. It's not judging. It's saying you preserve yourself. The counsel of Balaam is still coming against the church today. Now, I'm not going to go so far as to say that this is the reason there's a plague on the earth. But, you know, there was a plague there where, in a brief amount of twine, 24,000 people died. Just reading anywhere to see if they can say that it's Trump's fault. Nope, don't see it there. Um, so, you know, what's, what's this Balaam council? Are we intermarrying with viewpoints? Now, again, let's clarify this. As Barney, as Luther Higgs said, let me clarify this. I'm not speaking about racial intermarriage. Did you know that this nation that's supposed to be systemically racist, almost 20% of the marriages in our country are interracial? Did you know that? That's one in five. God is doing a work in healing the races. I can't answer for what happened 250 years ago, 200 years ago, even 150 years ago. Those were terrible times, but we are progressing forward. So I'm not talking here about intermarrying, interracist, interracial marriage. What we're talking about is preserving the purity of what the Israel was supposed to be. And we need to guard over whether we're being unequally yoked. Achan was an example of this. And I know we're at one hour. I'm just going to take a few more minutes. Achan, remember when they attacked the city and God said, don't take anything out of this city. Well, Achan answered Joshua and said, I indeed sinned. Uh, I saw the spoils. And I saw a goodly Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold, a 50 shekels worth I coveted them and I took them. God says don't take anything from the world. Even if it well that Babylonish mantle, a shinar, woo there's some there's some good things we can get from that in the world. This money, this gold, this notoriety it's not worth it. Don't do it. The bleeding of Amalekite sheep. You know, in 1 Samuel 13, Saul did not wait for the prophet to come. And at that point, Samuel said, Your kingdom won't continue. God will choose a man after his own heart, which was David. And then here in 15, um, Samuel uh, was meeting with Saul because Saul had done a good thing. He went against... Agag and the Amalekites, which God said he hates, which God said we would always have war with them. What were the Amalekites? We've studied this. They were a loathsome people group. They made their living off of attacking the weak and hitting at the underbelly of caravans and people groups. They would attack the stragglers and the helpless. This was a Malachite tactic. You see it today. Um, I can't go, we're out of time here, but Saul decided he was going to keep these sheep when he was told to kill it all. And Samuel rebukes him and says, you know what? I God has rent the kingdom from you. Saul grabbed at Samuel's mantle and ripped the hem. And God said, Samuel, in the same way, this, this kingdom is being torn from you. What did Samuel do? The seer, the prophet, kind man, loving man. He goes and he kills this egg. egg. And it's kind of gross. He hewed him in pieces. Um, kind of like Elijah did with those prophets of Baal and Ashtaroth. Now, we don't advocate that in the natural. But in the spirit realm, we better be careful when we start saying, I'm going to, you know, these Amalekites, they've got some good stuff, you know. They've got sheep just like we do. They're all God's creation. Let's just take them. We can mix them in with our flock. Uh Uh-uh. No bleats from the Amalekites in your flock, pal. You're not doing God any favors by doing that. Don't touch the unclean thing. Don't grab it up because you think, oh man, this could really do me good. I got a hankering for it. So the very end passage is James 2, nine. You believe that there is one God. You do well. The devils also believe that that, they believe that this is the way God is And they tremble because of it. If the devils tremble at the true oneness of God, why do you suppose they're fighting to destroy this oneness in the name of oneness? It's funny how Antifa is supposedly against fascists, but they themselves are the biggest purveyors of fascism in the world today. Oneness is really an attempt to water down being one so that the enemy doesn't have to tremble at it. Get your head on straight. May you be clear in your thinking. And may you get back to being what the one true God wants. Following after the apostolic message. Pursuing hard after God. This world is not messing around. You know, you heard yesterday on Saints Radio that Monica was out in ministry Monica Terrell was out in ministry with uh, a group of college-age young people in California. And apparently, witchcraft is growing in an inordinate way out there. And um, it's happening here. You know, the enemy's not messing around. We've got to know who we believe. We've got to follow the light. And, you know, when God spoke Jesus spoke to the church at Philadelphia, uh, in Revelation 3. Let's read that and then we'll then we'll conclude. How's that sound? How you like them apples? Um, in Revelation 3, the church in Philadelphia was being addressed by Jesus, and um, he said, beginning in verse 7, "These things says he that is holy, saintly, he that is true." It is the key of David. He that opens and no man shuts, shuts and no man's opens. I know your works. I have set before you an open door. No man can shut it. You've had a little strength. And this is dunamis. You've been functioning. but it's, it's not been on a big scale, but yet you're functioning. You have kept my word. You have kept that wonderful logos that is mine. You've not denied my name. So I will make them of the synagogue of Satan who say they're Jews, but they're not. They lie. Behold, I will make them to come and proskuneo before your feet to know that I have loved you because you've kept the word of my patience. I will also keep you from the hour of temptation which will come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. The enemy does not want us to really be One, in the way God wants us to be one. He trembles at that. So those of us who've not drunk the Kool-Aid and will keep following after what oneness really means before God, God is going to honor that because it's His way. And the enemy and the world are going to come, not everybody, But those who are willing to follow the Lord, they're going to come and serve God. We've got to pattern that. We've got to be that. And we've got to teach that. And this we have done, this we are doing, and this we will do. So one is the loneliest number. But it's only lonely in the respect that you're not hanging around with the world as your best buddy. You you are holding on to God And in Him, you and God are more than enough. He, in you, is more than enough. Father, I bless these dear ones. I continue to declare the blood of Jesus over every one of these saints and over our mission. I declare Your goodness. I declare Your love. And I declare that we must be one with you in solidarity and in purity and in, and in that singular pursuit of your light. Help us. Help us. Keep us. And we love you, Father, for this. And we thank you for this privilege. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you uh, tune in tomorrow. There will be a little prayer primer up on Facebook. We hope to have uh, the next uh, season's broadcast up and ready for you by the end of the week. Look for that. Um, And um, God bless all of you. It's a privilege to serve Him with you. Thanks for the extra 9 minutes and 40 seconds. Till next time, goodbye.